Time has run on this morning. We've been a little later. And that's the way I feel the Lord wanted the meeting to go, especially uh, in the ministry of Saul and in the spirit this morning around the table. And it's just been a blessed time. I trust you were, you entered in, you drew near, and you were strengthened by him. Will you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13, please? 2 Corinthians 13. We're just going to read one verse just as a basis of our message this morning. Verse 5. Paul says, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Father, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the sense of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather around the throne of grace and around the cross represented in this table this morning. Bless everyone. Bless all those leaders and teachers and helpers with the children away out there and also those at the crash. We ask you, God, that you would give them their portion this morning. Lord, we love you. We need you. We worship you. Speak to our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the message is real, R-E-A-L, or reprobate. A self-examination. Real or reprobate, a self-examination. Paul says, examine yourselves. It doesn't tell you to examine me, nor me to examine you. Or anyone else to examine you. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you. Except ye be reprobates. Or unless ye are reprobates. The word reprobates here. Is a word adokimos. Adokimos. And it really means unless you're a castaway or you've been rejected or you're deemed as worthless. In other words, you're not God's, you're not saved, you're not his, you're not Christ. He says, you examine yourself and you find out in your own heart. And Paul says, I'll examine mine. Notice here, the word adokimos, there's in the ancient Greek what they used to do is they had, when coins started to uh, be used as the monetary system would build, and they used to be wed. So if you go to the bank even today with a little plastic bag of pound coins, maybe I think it's 20 in the bag, they can actually weigh them without counting them because it's the weight of the metal. They weigh gold, they weigh silver, so it's, it's the weight of, it, the, the, of the currency. But what some people tried to do as they were making these, they would scrape off the top of some of the coins 
And they would have gathered these scrapings over time. And the coin was just a little less, just a little lighter than what it should have been. And so it went into the monetary system, just like today you get people and they, they do notes and they, they print them off and they're not true or real currency or coins or whatever. And they used to do this. So what you had was you had a man of integrity would have come along and he would have weighed every coin. And he was called a dokimos. Dokimos. And when Paul says the word reprobate, ad dokimos, or ad dokimos, it's the, the Greek alpha is in the front of this in the negative, which means it goes from dokimos to ad dokimos. And it gives a negative connotation to what Paul is saying. And here's what Paul is saying. You examine yourself. And when you examine yourself then, he's examined in the light of them and they are examining themselves. Here's what he's saying. He says, as a dokimos would have weighed the coin, if it wasn't up to scratch or up to the proper weight, it was pushed to the side and they were sent away. Paul is saying, are you like that? Now, when Paul is saying this, he's saying it for a reason, because especially in Corinth, the Corinthian church, they looked at Paul as if they hear things about Paul, they're told stories of Paul, and they weren't all good. So they look at his personage, what he looks like. In fact, there's old writings that say Paul was bald, uh, Paul was small, and of course, you know, his name means small. So he's bald, he was small, and he had bow legs. And so they look at this and say, how can this be a man of God? How can this sort of character, how can he be an apostle of all things? He's not one of the twelve. He's not one of the twelve who walked with Christ. And then, of course, Matthias, who came later after Judas Iscariot. But he's not one of the twelve. He's not one of the apostles of the Lamb, as they're known. We know that Paul was an apostle of the risen Lord, but he wasn't an apostle of the Lamb. So even the apostles at the start, they would have rejected Paul until he was accepted. But the Corinthians, there was a lot of talk about Paul, about what he was, what he wasn't. And, you know, Paul shouldn't be the apostle. His apostolic uh, uh, gifting, his apostolic position was in question. And they would have said, think of his past. And he wasn't there in the present with Christ. This man doesn't come up to scratch. Yet we know Paul wrote almost two-thirds of our New Testament. And you know, people would discount you and me like that. They look at either the past, or they hear the murmurings of others. Do you know those who would talk about you behind other people's back? You know, if somebody's talking about somebody to you, do you realize when you go away, they're talking about you to somebody else? I'm going to say it again. Do you know when someone is talking about you or to you about someone, they're talking about you to somebody else? Because that's their nature. That's in them to do that. And that's gossip. And Paul was under the same ridicule and gossip. And gossip in the scripture is called, it's off the devil. It's off the devil. 
Don't let the devil use your mouth, sister, brother. Don't let the devil use your mouth. Destructive criticism rather than constructive admonition. Paul was here, and Paul writes, and we're going to look at it. I'm not going to have time because we're later this morning. But I'm going to look at it as much as I possibly can without keeping you late. And, and Paul was looking at it, and what they were saying is, this man's credentials of an apostle is in question, or this man's credentials as a pastor is in question, as a Christian is in question. And maybe some people have your credentials as a Christian as a pastor or a gift of whatever you've got, and it's in question. So we're going to look at some of this, how Paul dealt with it. And sometimes when we examine ourselves, we have to examine ourselves in the truth, in the truth that we are not fooling ourselves, because Paul speaks about those who fool themselves as well. And it's not to, to cause someone to doubt their salvation, but really to realize that with an assurance of their salvation that they're Christ. Notice here, Paul says, and he asks the question, basically is, am I really an apostle, he's saying to them. Because if, they, if he's not an apostle, there's a problem. And this is the reason why he's saying examine yourselves. If he's not their pastor and apostle, if he isn't, and he's all those negative things which they're saying of him and about him, if he isn't, then he's saying, you examine yourself in the light of my ministry because you've read my letters. I, through the Lord, obviously helped uh, uh, establish this church in my apostolic ministry. And I have pastored you as I have other churches. And so he says, then that brings you into question, your salvation into question, because you were saved under my ministry. This is what Paul's saying. You're saved under my ministry. You have been helped and blessed under my ministry. And now because of people's uh, speaking and talking and the things they say, it's being put into question. And you're in doubt of me as an apostle. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize that, yes, we have a witness to keep. And yes, we have a testimony to keep. And yes, we should always try our best to live peaceably with all men, so much as lies in us, as Paul even says. We have to do all of that, and we are to show ourselves walking with Christ. And sometimes we deserve things that are said to us or about us. Sometimes we deserve it because of things we have done or said or how we have reacted. But here Paul is saying this. He says, then you examine yourself because you've sat under my ministry. The Lord Jesus said in John 15 and verse 16, he says, you've not chosen me to have chosen you. And there lies in our assurance that our salvation is not only in Christ, but he drew us to himself. And then he says, but that they should go forward, I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, and that your fruit should remain. And Paul is saying, look at the fruit of the ministry. Look at the fruit of what you're doing. Look at the fruit of the preaching. Look at the fruit of the teaching. Look at the fruit. And then you go to their lives and he says, look at their fruit. And you know you get that because 
you're serving the Lord and there's fruit in your ministry and you're faithful to it, whether it's a children's meeting or whatever it may be, a youth meeting or, or, or whatever it may be, and you are faithful to it and you're always pressing on in God. And Paul is saying, as I would say and tell you this morning, look, if others are coming against what God has set you forth to do, and you know it's been off the Lord, then fruit will come off it. God will build his church. Fruit will come off it. But those who are like these Corinthians, many of them, there's no fruit comes off the ministry. In fact, some go to one ministry and they get a little tired of it, so we'll try another ministry. And we get a little tired of that, so we'll run down and we'll say, well, God sent me in this ministry. And they get a bit tired of that one, and then they go to another one. And there's no fruit. Jesus says, and that you shall bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. A fruit that remains. So Paul's saying, my apostolic pastoral ministry credentials. He's saying, okay, Corinthian church, you examine me. He says, but you examine yourself. Because if, if he is the apostle here, since he's the apostle, and if he's anything less than that, then the Corinthian church, they are to examine themselves and see that, well, it's possible they're not even saved because he shouldn't be called in their eyes. And that's the way people look at you sometimes. That's the things people say about you sometimes. They say it about me all the time. But you have to stay focused, brother. Do you hear me? Sister, stay focused. Keeping your eyes on the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if you stop to turn and throw a stone at every dog that barks at you in the street, you will be hindered from reaching the praise. You'll be hindered from reaching the praise. Paul says here, if Christ is in you, and you are Christ's own possession, and you not only are Christ's own possession, but Christ is your own possession. He says, then be assured that he not only saves, but he keeps. Listen to Thomas Brooks. The old Puritan said, and he puts it like this on the assurance. Notice, the assurance of eternal life after the examination of his own heart. Listen to what he says. I am wholly his. W-H-O-L-L-Y. I am wholly his. I am peculiarly his. I am universally his. I am eternally his. Now examine your heart as I've examined mine. Examine your own heart as I have examined mine. Can you say this about the Savior? Because if you've been to Calvary and repented of your sin and you've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior and you've been washed in the blood, you can say this. So then go forth and bear fruit and your fruit should remain. Paul says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Paul is saying to them, are you saved? 
You have someone in me? I'm asking you, are you even saved? Many Christians struggle with having an assurance of salvation. And that does not mean they're not saved if they have been to Calvary by faith and trusting in Christ. It just means they lack assurance. And here's what happens in the heart. Feelings get in the way of faith. Your feelings get in the way of faith. It's not about your feelings. Some days you get up and you feel saved. And other days you get up and you don't feel saved. Does that mean you're not saved? No. It's not feelings you're saved. Feelings get in the way of faith. Weakness gets in the way of greatness. In other words, the greatness of God, that his grace and mercy abounds over all of your sin and all of our failures. And we have to realize for it brings us down to such a level where we feel that we are so low we'll never recover. And listen, but God's greatness, God's greatness cannot be matched by your weakness. Unbelief will get in the way of belief. And doubting overshadows assurance. Your doubting overshadows the assurance in your heart. Brothers and sisters, no matter how you feel, no matter your weakness, no matter even at times when you're not sure your own belief and even your doubtings, we have to rest our head on the pillow of the sovereignty of God and be at peace with him. Knowing that he... He keeps us in the way. Listen to Edward Reynolds. Assurance will assist us in all duties. It will warm us against all temptations. And it will arm us in all conditions. So be assured, Christian, this morning, if you're saved, be assured that you're his. Paul was saying, this is... uh, and to the Corinthian church along with others. For they were challenging his apostleship. That because he wasn't one of the apostles of the Lamb. His apostleship was worthless. Now notice how it affects Paul here. You think that Paul was just a man of steel. He's a biblical character. So it wouldn't really feel anything. Listen to how it affects the man of God. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8, he's speaking about these things. And listen to what he says. Last of all, he was seen of me. The Lord Jesus he's speaking of. Last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. I wasn't one of the apostles of the Lamb. He had died and he had risen. He had ascended. But I seen him. He appeared to me. Acts chapter 9, the road to Damascus. You can read that. Notice what he says. Last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. Now, I'm going to say something. I want to be careful how I say this because I want to give you the the depth of what Paul was thinking here. There's a word here, and I, I, I want to be careful because it's a strong word and it's nearly a, a word that well, especially ladies, it's, it's a word that, as a man, I want to be careful in bringing to you. This is the word. It's the word, ekthruma. Due time. 
born out of due time is the word achruma. And it means they say that I am an abortion. That's what it means. Or they say I am a miscarried baby. Too young to even bear a name. One born out of due time. That's strong language from the apostle. Strong language to write to the church. This, you just think of what they must have been saying and others must have been repeating and what they were listening to and carrying. They say that I'm a throma. Like a baby that didn't even have a name. Many wee babies and haven't had a name, haven't had the chance to have a name. How was the apostle's heart here? Maybe your heart has been like this. You know, maybe because you have been in a ministry, you've been reaching out for the Lord, or you've been trying or whatever, and you always get them. And every, I'm sorry to say it, it is the church. The world doesn't annoy me. It's the church that's the worst. The church is the only army which buries its wounded rather than rescue them and nurse them to health. Paul says, they say of me, I am a chroma. I'm like an aborted baby without a name. One born out of due time. And he says in verse 9, he links it then, for I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. My past, he says, they say nullified it, that nullified my apostolic credentials, nullified my, nullified my pastoral ministry, nullifies me probably even as a Christian. Any wonder the Lord shows Paul and gives him the commentary even on the breaking of bread? But let a man examine himself. That's what he says. But let a man examine himself. And the Stoic always comes up, well, I am perfect together around this. Not saying our men do that, but others may do that. I am the perfect one to gather around this table because I have been in prayer all night and so I'm fine with this and okay with this and I am able to do this. But all these other sinners are unable for this. Why are they even here? That's what you get sometimes. Problem is, brothers and sisters, that Paul says, yes, I persecuted the church. And I'm not even... I'm the least of the apostles. Not even worthy of the name. But there are those who will say, yeah. See that brother, see that sister, yeah. They're not up to much, so just forget them. Is that you this morning? See, when we come around this table... We're all on the same level here. Do you know why? Because this is, represents the cross where every one of us had to come and bow the knee. 
This is the cross where every one of us were found as guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinners in need of repentance and grace and mercy and love of Christ. And some paths are more manifest in the open than others. Some of the others are so secret they've never been repented of before. Paul is feeling it. Paul is a man. He's a human being. I'm unworthy because I persecuted the church. Your past is too much for us, Paul. Galatians 1 and verse 13 even says, How that beyond measure, I persecuted the church and wasted it. Paul is saying, I see what I've done to the church in its infancy. How can a man like me be saved, let alone an apostle? Paul gives us the commentary on the breaking of bread. The same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul gives us the commentary on, tells us, let a man examine himself. And so those men who, well, I've been praying all night and I'm stoic. How dare some of these things break bread? And you've sat in there because you had maybe a bit of road rage in the way in and you give off to the wife or whatever you've done or the husband or whatever, or the kids. You feel, oh, I shouldn't be breaking bread. It says, let a man examine himself. Are you saved? Yes, so let him eat of that bread. It's for you to eat because you need it. Because it reminds us of Calvary. Because the debt was paid in its fullness. Listen. Brother, sister, if you are Christ's. And you have been to the cross. And you have been washed in the blood by faith. You might be striving and failing. You still come to the table. Because he done it for you. He done it for me. I love him. Notice this. Paul tells us of the commentary of the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially to the church at Corinth. Spirit moved in this morning and spiritual gifts, and that's, that's fantastic, and you can sense it. If you're in tune with it, you can sense it, and it, it, it takes the meeting somewhere else again, and you're here, you can feel it. You flow with the spirit of it. And he gives us the whole commentary on it. Tells us how it should be used in the church. And the problem was in Corinth, there were so many using spiritual gifts. At one meeting, it was turning into charismatic chaos. And he says, listen, here's your format. Because I've got these things from Christ. He says, I've seen them. I might have been the last one, but I have seen them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, listen to what it says of Paul. Paul writes of himself. This is what they're saying. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. 
but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. You know what they're saying? Oh, he pulls away, he writes big heavy letters, all great swelling words. But see, when you look at him, if, if that which is true, see, they're, they're now looking at the, at the weakness of Paul. But that's why Paul also writes to the, to the Corinthian church uh, that God has chosen the weak and the foolish and the base things to confound the ways. Because it's not in the stature it's not in the look of a person. It's in the election of God. In the election of God. And whether he bald head and he was small and he had bow legs or not, I don't know. But Paul's saying, they're saying, look at him. Last church I was in, there was always a couple of wee old dears, but let's put it like that sitting in the front, and they, they judged every other week whether I'd put on weight or taken off weight. <laughs> they thought I couldn't hear them, but they were half deaf. <laughs> and one time I'm behind the pulpit about to start, and one goes to the other one. I think he's put weight on again. And then when I lose weight, everyone comes to Allison and says, you're not feeding the pastor. He's lost an awful lot of weight. <laughs> Whatever they've been saying around Paul and his ministry, others had joined in. And here's what happens, brothers and sisters. Because of this, the ministry starts to get damaged. And Paul is now writing. He's saying, this is what you say of me. My letters are weighty and powerful, but my bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. But here's the thing. Paul's past in persecuting and wasting the church could not discount him from serving Christ. Paul's physical presence and appearance didn't count him out in leading the church in apostolic ministry. And you know why? Listen to what the Lord says in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. The Lord saith not as man saith. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And that fervor which Paul had to persecute the church, a Pharisee of the religion of the Jews, the Lord took that and used that very same fervor and passion to serve him. Some people have a passion for the world, a passion for the things of the world, a drive, and they love the world, and they give to the world. And, they do. and when they get saved, they, they go to some places, and they're told to be saved and stuck. They become the frozen chosen, and they sit there dead and dying. Because that's the way you're meant to be. I'm a Christian, you know. I must live my life like this and put marbles in my mouth to make sure I speak correctly. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm a man saved by grace. I was brought from the pit, the prison of despair, and my shackles are gone. And he's washed me in the blood and you as well. Isn't he worthy of the praise? Don't you love him? Time's flowing. Stick with me for another few minutes. 
I've so much here. I've just, just got into this. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 7. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Eh? Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ. Paul's asking them, my outward appearance, your outward appearance, does it matter? Does it matter? Let him... Of himself think this again. That as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. Listen, see if you're doubting me. See if you're doubting my apostolic credentials in my ministry because I'm, as they say, ekthroma. If you're doubting it because of my persecuting and wasting the church in the past and you've heard all the stories that you've heard about me and then you look at me and you say well he's not even no he's not even good to look at not even pleasing to the eye you know what he's saying let him of himself think this again that he is christ even so are we christ he says see if you're saved see if you're saved he says, and if you're saved, especially under me, if you're set under my ministry, this is what Paul's saying to the Corinthian church. If you're saved, he says then, so am I. So am I. Do you know why? Because the blood that saved them is the blood that saved Paul. And it's the same precious blood of Christ that saved all of us. Cleansed us from all our sin. Cleansed us from all our sin. Notice here, let him of himself think this again. Notice, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts in himself that he is Christ, let him, notice of himself, think this again, that as he is Christ, so are we. Do you know what Paul is actually saying? And it was paraphrased here. It means go take a good look at yourself. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Go and take a good look at yourself. Oh, you see, you're, you, you, you've been like this and your life was like that and you've got saved or you're this one or that one or the other one. They can say all manner of things. You know what Paul's saying? I'm Christ, are you? Go take a good look at yourself. You know, we would say, I went and look in the mirror. <laughs> oh, you and look in the mirror. Brothers and sisters, that's what when the naysayers and the doubters and those who would pull you down and take you down and tear you down and put you back and hold you back. That's what you need to say is, I've been saved with the precious blood that you've been saved from. With. Go take a good look in the mirror. I must close this. In Romans 1 and 1, Paul says, As Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Notice, he's saying he's a servant of Christ and not of Caesar. In other words, I'm saved to serve. I'm saved and I'm separated from the world. Paul says that if you look at my life, the, the past, I don't live there anymore. 
And that's the problem with many Christians, brothers and sisters. Either you want to live there or others want you to stay there. See your past if you're going on with God. You don't live there anymore. That has no bearing nor hold on you. Paul is saying, listen, the world, the Phariseeism and all the things that I did and the persecution, I don't live there anymore. I live to the service of Christ. He was an apostle and he's called and separated from the separatist sect of the Pharisees. Now Paul, approximately a preacher and an apostle for some 20 years. This is 20 years he's an apostle. And these upstarts of the Corinthian church decide to think, maybe he's not a real apostle. Paul says, well, see this church? I was the one who came in the power of the Spirit when it started. I was the vessel God used. He says, now, if I'm not the apostle or if I'm not the pastor of it, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, then you go and look in the mirror and say, are you even saved because you were brought in under my ministry? So if your fruit remains, brother, sister, and you've seen people saved, then there's an evidence for you that you are in the will of God and you are Christ and you're serving him. Twenty years later, and he's still hearing this. And in 1 Corinthians 1 and 1, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through, through the will of God. And Paul starts this letter off again, proclaiming his apostolic credentials. And Paul is not an apostle by the acknowledgement nor the permission of the Corinthian church. Paul was an apostle before the Corinthian church started. And you're not saved or in a ministry because of a church. Now, we have to have ministries in church and we have to put people in them. But if you're called of God, that's your ministry. And so you stay at it. You stick to it. And let fruit come from it. Paul is not an apostle by the laying on of hands and the appointment of the other apostles. And he's certainly not an apostle because of the populist section of society but he was an apostle by divine election. So here's my closing thought. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Remember the coin, the man who was all honesty went, nope, that's not the right way. That one's been scraped off, nope. And I'm wondering sometimes, brothers and sisters, is there people who, who they said even they were saved and Maybe they were like a shooting star even in ministry. They disappeared or they, were, they went on with God. And they've went into the world and they're living like the world for a long time. They haven't even had it in them to be in the house of God. I just wonder sometimes at this because there are a few points that you and I need to check as we examine ourselves. I'm just going to read them out. I'm not going to expound on them. Here they are. You ready? This is our closing. Here's some points to spot a spiritual <clears throat> wound. A spiritual wound while it's fresh before it festers. First of all, hearing or reading about the cross no longer has an effect on you and it doesn't move you. Around the table, oh, we do this, it's, it doesn't move me. Something wrong with the heart then. Something wrong with the heart. It's a spiritual wound that needs 
Luke, that before it festers. Secondly, you have stopped loving the Savior. Don't love him, really. Don't feel the love for Christ. Need to look at that, brother or sister, examining ourselves. Thirdly, you've been fooling yourself. You've been fooling the church. You've been fooling the elders. You've been fooling the pastor. You're fooling yourself. Some people, and I know, I can see it in them and I know them they come and say, oh, pastor, well, we didn't come because see this, and then that happened and then this happened and then the next week, oh, well, you see what happened was this happened and, that, and then this one came and then and I'm going, yeah, and by the end of it, I'm just going, right, okay, all right, okay, yeah, okay. You know why? Because they've no longer fooled me even. They've fooled themselves for so long. These look that. Fourthly, the world has become an attraction to you. You find yourself more in worldly reading, in worldly watching, and in worldly doing that you do in the service of God. It's a festering wound that needs looked at. Sixthly, fifthly, pardon me, you have lost interest in seeing souls saved. Sixthly, your gathering together as the church bores you. You do it because you have to, or you think you need to, or because it looks well. It bores you. You miss more frequently. You take no participation or fellowship with God's people. And that's a wound that needs looked at before it festers. And lastly, you fail to do what you know you should. You fail to do what you know you should. Paul is saying, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Are you in the faith? Don't you let anyone discount you, brother, sister. Don't let anyone discount you because they haven't been the ones to set you in order, to set you in ministry, to set their hands upon you, to lay you, set you aside. Don't let anyone discount you because you're trying to do something for God. Don't let anyone discount you because they don't like how you do it. I'd rather not like how you do it than don't do it at all. We'll say this and this is me close. I was doing an open air 23 years ago, four years ago, and poured it down. I was down the street and there was a, the, the, the church in the middle there. I keep forgetting its name and the roads go up. I pulled a minibus with a big trailer along right across the curb there and it ended up the, the, the traffic warden was Big Roy uh, 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 Martin. It ended up Big Roy Martin was a traffic warden. He was a Christian and he let me stay there. Every Friday we're there for a few years. Some were singing on the trailer, guitars and that. And I took my turn preaching and so did others. But while we all took our turns, people were down giving out tracks down the sides of the street. I was down the side of the street one time and there was a couple of ladies and it was cold and they had a long coat on, but you could see they had a pair of trousers on from here. But their long coats on, it was cold. And I'm standing, hardly feel your fingers, giving tracks out. And this car pulls up and a woman gets out and I'd say what, where I believe she went to, what church, but you could tell by looking at her. I think I'll give it away, has it? 
And she came up to me. Oh, thank you very much. That's a great work you're doing. I says, thanks very much. We track for you. Thank you. And she took it. She says, but I think you should do a lot better if that woman up there wasn't wearing trousers and a skirt, but wore a skirt. I says, thank you. She says, well, I'm just giving my opinion. I says, can I say something? So I says, I prefer her up there doing what she's doing and you standing here doing what you're doing. She walked away. I ended up she was a relative and I didn't know. <laughs> but I found out a lot of months later. Distant one. Anyway, don't let people discount you. I've been, people have tried to discount me for a long time. But it doesn't matter. It's when, when God has called you, keep going. Keep your eyes on him. And he will use you for his glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Team,